You're listening to Healthy AF with Corey Lehman and Dave Howington. Welcome to the Healthy AF Podcast, Episode 3. We are really rocking and rolling. Hey everybody, this is Dave. I am happy to be back. So far it looks like my temporary status is still going on, so uh, welcome back to the Healthy AF. We have almost tenured Dave. He's done such a good job. He's got raving reviews from the fans, so we think we're going to keep him around for the time being. Well, anyways, uh, we left off talking about movement patterns last episode, and so this episode... Uh, we're going to talk about upper body movement patterns and the core. So, you know, if you want those six-pack abs, this is probably not the episode to listen to because we're not going to be talking about that. No, we're continuing the series on the six major movement patterns. And just a quick recap, last episode we talked about the three primary lower body movement patterns. Those were the hinge, the squat, and the single leg movement patterns. And we discussed some different examples through those. Dave, you want to recap those quick? All right. So for the hinge, we talked about like the deadlift, the Romanian deadlift, those type of patterns, just patterns where you're loading up the hamstrings. For the uh, squat, we talked about squat patterns, any type of pattern, you know, again, talking about the idea of why we call the bathroom the squatter, because you squat every day when you go to the bathroom. And so that pattern of knee bending quad dominant patterns and then we talked about single leg patterns and just how why they're important why they're underused but why they're necessary for creating symmetry uh from limb to limb and i think for me personally i never actually had hinge or hip dominant patterns in a lot of my programming throughout my high school career some of my collegiate career i just always squatted and did quad or knee dominant patterns and I never really even knew that I should be balancing that with deadlifting or different bridge variations so it left me with a lot of different muscular imbalances well I think part of that is there's a stigma in the industry um, where deadlifting is bad for your back and so as a result it's difficult to teach difficult to have teaching groups and so a lot of strength coaches tend to avoid those and they tend to think that the power clean is going to make up for the lack of deadlift movements when in all actuality if anything's more dangerous for the back I would argue the power clean um, because of the force that you're absorbing the weight with Um, and so it's just kind of interesting to your point Corey just how little coaches focus on the hinge pattern it seems like. Yeah, and I've seen even a lot of these programs that get auto-generated online or these things off websites that people go and pull, they fail to appropriately have enough posterior work as opposed to some of the anterior or squat-based work. I just think it's a, it's a real important thing to note if you're looking to develop a well-rounded lower body program. And don't get us wrong, we're not saying that you shouldn't squat. By all means, you need that in your program, and you should and you should have anterior work. But to Corey's point, it's important to balance that out and to think, you know, relatively speaking, for every squat, I need to make sure that I'm hinging and vice versa. Absolutely. So let's dive into our upper body movements. We've got push, pull, and carry. So starting with the first of those, we've got your pushing or your pressing exercises. Although, Dave, you sometimes like to call it reaching exercises. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, But one thing I want to point out is just one of the primary push exercises you could possibly think of is the push-up. Probably everybody's favorite, it seems like, sometimes is the bench press. Um, I always like to make a joke when I'm teaching 
that Monday is a national holiday called Bench Press Monday. If you go to the gym, I promise you, on Monday, you will see someone bench pressing. Um, that being said, uh, at the Corey's point, I sometimes call the push a reach. Um, and it's tough to describe over podcasts, so I'm going to do my best. Um, try to stay with me here as I demonstrate. Um, but in any case, one of the ideas with the pressing exercise is getting your muscles in the rib cage called your serratus to actually operate and function the way they're supposed to, which is to control your shoulder blade. So when you go into a push up or a overhead press, you want to think about not just stopping at the push, but really trying to reach almost like, you know, you're a little kid and you see the cookie jar on top shelf and you're trying to get that cookie jar. Um, so that's one of the notes that I try to make and try to paint a picture for with my clients is the idea of I want a full on reach because I want you to get that serratus to actually work like it's supposed to. Yeah, and I like to use the example of you go to the gym and you see the bro who is repping out push-ups and they're sort of doing like this hybrid like half push-up. They're never quite locking out at the top. And <clears throat> I think that's some of what Dave's trying to explain and what we try to coach people on is you don't want to stop short. You really want to press the ground away so that the space in your upper back fills up and you round out just a little bit at the top. Absolutely. Uh, and along with that too, just going off that, the other thing you'll see a lot with these, uh, as Corey says, the bro exercises or the people doing the lifts is more times they're actually moving their neck more than they're actually moving their whole rest of their body through the exercise. Uh, I kind of liken it to just if you ever go to a farm and you see a chicken pecking at feet, that's kind of what it looks like. Um, so one of the things you want to think about too is as you perform any type of push exercise or any type of reach exercise is you want to keep that neck stable. And so I like, uh, I like the cue to tell people like you're trying to hold an apple between your chin and your chest just to kind of lock that neck into place. Um, if you need to, you can even get an actual apple, although I wouldn't recommend eating that apple afterwards. Um, the one caveat I will add, though, is if I'm having someone do a bench press where their back is on the bench, I don't want them to actually reach because I don't want them to lose the shoulder blade positioning. Um, and so what happens if they reach and they lose that shoulder blade positioning is that lift becomes more pressure on the shoulder than I'd like to see. Yeah, and speaking of the bench press, it is a good exercise. I won't sit here and, and demonize it, but you what? really you really have to ask, like, why do you want to bench press? I think I could probably count on two hands the amount of times that I've really bench pressed since college, and that's been like nine, eight, nine years now. I think along with that, you kind of have to ask why you want to do any exercise, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. That's a whole nother mm-hmm. podcast where we can talk about that, but... At the end of the day, the exercises you should be doing, uh, I think we talked about the said principle already, should be moving you towards your goal. Now, I know some people, they just can't get rid of the bench press or they're married to exercises, and that's all well and good. Um, just got to make sure that that exercise isn't exacerbating pain. Um, and also, too, you know, you got to check your ego at the door to a certain point. I think a lot of times, especially with us guys, uh, the bench press is a machismo exercise. You know, you meet, walk up to somebody and like they see that you work out, they're going to ask you how much do you bench. Um, do you even lift, bro? Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's one of the things to think about with like upper body exercise in general is why am I doing this exercise? Why do I need it? 
again, with the bench press, it is one of those exercises where people want to load the weight on because it makes them look, I don't know, strong, cool, you know, whatever. The truth is that there are exercises that are probably better for developing a nice looking shelf, strong pectorals. I mean, one I think off the top of my head is like a dumbbell bench press, which for most people is probably going to present a safer option and realistically give them more hypertrophy, which is just a fancy word for saying muscle growth. Yeah, I I agree. Or, um, you know, even dumbbell flies. Um, What you find a lot of times when it comes to people working out is that they're going to focus on the muscles they can see. Uh, And so as a result, that's why a lot of times people gravitate towards exercises that focus on the press, the reach, or the quads, kind of going back to our earlier discussion. Uh, But I think it's equally important to work out those muscles that you don't see. So, you know, that gives us, see what I did here, perfect segue into the rowing movements. Yeah, so let's talk about rowing movements or pulling movements, as we like to say. You've got things like your standard row or your lat pull-down pull-ups or a single arm row. Some of you are familiar with the TRX. You can do rows like that or even taking a band and pulling a, a, a band apart can be a, a, another pulling variation. So, I mean, there's a lot of exercises. The way I kind of distinguish between a row and a push is when I'm talking to people, the push, you're pushing the weight away from your body, whereas the pull, you're pulling the weight towards your body. Probably the most common pulls we can think of would be, you know, the seated row um, that you'll see with the cable machine a lot, or even just the pull-up would be what you would often see in the gym. Uh, It's funny, though, because, again, going back to the whole idea of, like, not looking like a chicken pecking around, Again, with the row, you'll see a lot of times people using their chin or their neck to finish the exercise for whatever reason. Um, And so as a result, I, I again, cue people to try to keep that apple between the chin and the chest and trying to keep the neck out of the exercise. Um, Otherwise, who knows, you might give yourself whiplash or something. Yeah, it's almost like you're trying to give yourself a little bit of a double chin. And my brother is notorious for going around the house and making fun of me uh, with a double chin posture and kind of saying, hey, is this good posture? But the truth is, when people do something like a pull up or a lat pull down, if you watch them, they will reach that chin way forward. And we already have enough problems with our neck and our society. I think we don't need to add to, to the issues there. The other thing, too, to consider with the rowing exercises is making sure, going back to the shoulder blades. So with the reach, we want the shoulder blades to lock out and to reach kind of around the body. With the rowing, we want the shoulder blades to squeeze together. Um, so sometimes, you know, I'll, when I'm working with a client, I'll put my fingers between their shoulder blades and I'll tell them to break my fingers with their shoulder blades. And if they're still not doing that, I tell them to picture me making them do a million Bulgarian split squats, and usually then they start getting a little more aggressive with trying to break my finger. I think it goes to mention that we should talk just briefly about the difference between horizontal pushing and pulling and also vertical pushing and pulling. Yeah, so I think part of this too is just you got to kind of go back to uh, old school math class, geometry class, whatever, wherever you talked about the x-axis, y-axis, you know, horizontal, vertical. So horizontal pushing and pulling, you're essentially pushing away from your chest or pulling towards your chest. 
in a flat direction where you're parallel to the ground. Yeah, like a like a push up or again like a seated row. That would be a great example of a horizontal pusher press or or I'm excuse me, a pusher pull. Then with like a vertical pusher pull, you're pushing away from the ground, not your chest or pulling towards the ground. So you could think of like a lat pull down is a perfect example of a vertical pull where I'm pulling down towards the ground or a uh, Overhead press is a perfect example of a vertical press because I'm pushing up and away from the ground. And we see this working with individuals. They struggle with particularly vertical pushing and pulling. I think to Corey's point, a lot of times when you see people going overhead in any manner, they don't have the requisite shoulder function to actually do it without using their low back and next thing you know like they start feeling their low back more than they actually feel their shoulders or their upper back and part of that is due to the fact that we live in a culture where we sit a lot and we just don't really reach over our head unless you're playing a sport or you're actively reaching over your head for some reason or you have like a physical manual labor job where you have to reach over your head the extent that people reach over their head is like to reach up into the cabinet to grab their coffee cup otherwise we just don't spend a lot of time and the the true the the old adage of you know you don't use it you lose it is really it really resonates when it comes to overhead movement if you're not consistently reaching up overhead then you're going to lose that range of motion and what we caution people a lot on is do not start to lift heavy weights overhead or do heavy pull-ups if you don't have good mobility in that plane of motion so like a simple way to see if you have that good mobility is to see how far up you can get your shoulder overhead without and like get your bicep as close to your ear as possible. So you can like take your arm, reach up as high as you can and try to get your shoulder and your bicep as close to your ear without letting your neck kind of tilt forward. And if you can do that, no problem. There's a good chance that you have the requisite mobility to go overhead. But if you can't, then there's a good chance that you probably shouldn't go heavy overhead yet. And if you decide that, you know, you absolutely have to, then there's other exercises that you can use um, where we, you'll see us a lot of times using like a barbell in the corner that we call a landmine. And uh, you just it changes the angle of the lift so that instead of pushing straight up overhead, I'm pushing slightly forward. Yeah. And by the way, for all those people who you're reaching your arm up by your head to see if your bicep gets to your ear, if you bent your elbow, then you're cheating. So try it again and keep your arm completely straight and keep your back straight. If your low back arches, it's another compensation. So we know some of this is hard to visualize, but there's a lot of factors that go into when you start doing more complex movements, the body just knows, hey, I got to get to this position it won't necessarily do good form. That's why you have to be, uh, that's why you really have to watch your technique and pay attention to your individual compensations. Also, please don't do this test while driving. Yes, keep your hands on the wheel. Okay, let's talk about our last pattern, the carry. So the carry or, um, you know, kind of group it into a larger pattern, the core, is in many ways probably the most important and for lack of a better term, I'm going to use the F word here, the most functional. So with that being said, with the carry, what is happening is you're essentially taking a weight and you're carrying it. 
you can think of how many times you do this during the day, you know, whether you're getting groceries, um, whether you're carrying the luggage to the airport. Um, those are stuff that you might do not very often, but then even too, just even walking, keeping your core engaged to a slight degree. Um, so the carry is a pattern that we use a lot in the form of like farmer walks um, and the suitcase carries that type of those types of exercises teaching, you know, teaching people to use their core while they're walking to help them with their posture. This is one of those movement patterns that I think is neglected a lot. I don't think that the average person that's going to your health club is thinking to do carries. I mean, do you see this done often? Uh, nowhere near as often as I see people doing bench press. <laughs> right. And so this is another one that is a little bit tricky for us to explain, but the benefits of simply carrying heavy weight with your core engaged crosses over to so many daily activities. And it's really getting to get a little fancy on you here, but it's a full kinetic chain exercise, meaning you are walking, moving your body through space, but you're also grabbing and holding on to weight while you do it, meaning you're using your entire body to complete an exercise to create stability. And a famous, one of the most famous physical therapists in the country, Gray Cook, um, who's well known by those in the exercise industry, he believes that the, the farmer carry where you're holding a heavy weight in each hand is the most functional exercise that an individual can do. And he actually likes to see people have the ability to carry 75% of their body weight for close to two minutes, which if you think about it, that that's pretty hard. We've tried that with people day, right? And it's usually a disaster. <laughs> I mean, don't be fooled. When Corey says disaster, no one gets hurt. It just, they don't quite get to anywhere near two minutes. Um, and since we're using big words, I'll also use another one, amalgamation. A carry is almost an amalgamation of all of these moving patterns we talked to. Go back and listen to last week's episode. When you carry, you're going to see semblance, some semblance of hip dominance. You're going to be some semblance of quad dominance just by going through the gait cycle, just by walking. Then on top of that, because you're walking, you're also seeing some single leg work. You're also getting some upper back work with posture. And you're getting some shoulder work just by holding that weight. And it's working your grip too. So as you can see, it really does get the total body in some shape or form. Um, and then even too, since we're quoting people, uh, one of the leading, probably the global leading back and spine experts, Dr. Stuart McGill, will even say that the single arm carry is one of the best things that an athlete can do. Because now we're working one side of the body unilaterally. We're getting the body prepared for cutting for transitioning from one direction to the other, even just for speed work. Yeah, so think about this visually. If you take, let's say, 20 or 25% of your body weight, so if I weigh 200 pounds, if I take a 50-pound dumbbell and hold it in one arm, and I try to walk, and I hold that weight off my side just a little, so it's not just leaning on my side, but I hold it off my side a little, and I try to keep my body completely erect, you will feel your core and your obliques activate. And when we talk about, Dave says the F word because we think it's way overused, functional. Like when we talk about functional training, like this is the epitome of functional training, being able to stabilize your core despite a weight outside your center of gravity, really trying to pull you off that center and make you, uh, you know, turn into the leaning tower of Pisa. 
Yeah, and you know what? Uh, my wife likes the fact that I've done a lot of carries because now when she gets groceries, we just get them all up three flights of stairs in one trip. Um, You're such a good husband, dude. I know. I try. <laughs> but in any case, uh, any case, as Corey was saying, like there's so much value to the carry. And unfortunately, one of the things about the carry is not a lot of people actually do it with the right intention. A lot of times I'll see people just pick up a weight and just try to walk with it without trying to think about how are they stabilizing their body, how are they positioning themselves. And I think if you do a carry right, even just a suitcase carry, it should not be an easy exercise. It should be an exercise that you can actually feel working throughout your whole entire body. Intention. That is another one we need to talk about. Being intentional with your exercise. Not enough time for it today. But that'll put a wrap on the six major movement patterns. Again, to reiterate, we have hinge, squat, single leg exercises. You've got your push, your pull, and your carry. When you have those six things included in your program, you are going to start to have the base workings of a solid program. Those things, you should think about those six points are like your outline. With those as the base of your plan, you can begin to add in different variations to those movement patterns. Honestly, though, don't worry about variations right now. If you were to do a workout three days a week, just doing the same exercises, incorporating all six movement patterns every single day of those three days, then you would be well in business for creating a solid foundation for which you can then improve upon. Um, So I think part of what we're trying to show here through these past two episodes is even though, you know, getting healthier, being fit isn't necessarily easy, it's not complicated either. It's pretty simple in the sense of go through your program. Do I have a hinge pattern? Do I have a squat pattern? Do I have at least two single leg patterns, one going forward, one going backward? Do I have a push? Do I have a pull? And do I have a carry? And if you can say yes to all of that, do that every day, and you're going to be seeing yourself getting better, getting more, um, you know, functional, uh, and many other things as well. All right, there you have it. So if you like this, guys, do us a favor. Please rate us, review us, leave a nice little comment or a five-star rating. That stuff really helps us. We really appreciate it. And if you are in the Highland Park, North Shore area, don't forget to drop in and visit us for adult fitness, sports performance, massage therapy. Come on, who doesn't like a massage? Anyways, drop in, visit us. Until next time, guys, stay healthy AF.